In this exciting episode of the OIS podcast, Dr. Isan Sadre sits down with industry veteran Tom Frenzy to learn about J&J's current innovation efforts, the impact of CMS cutting reimbursement, growth drivers for the premium channel, and how they are positioning the company to remain a leader in ophthalmology. Be sure to stick around for the end where Tom provides some practical career advice. Hi, this is Asan Sadri, board certified ophthalmologist here in lovely Newport Beach, California. I'm sitting here with my really good friend and leader of J&J, Tom Frenzy. Tom, how you doing? Good. Good to see you, Dr. Sadri. Good to see you again. We were here last week at your nice office. We were chit-chatting with Ali and yourself about like the vision you have on, on what you're excited about. Tell us, since we saw each other at OIS San Diego ASCRS, mm-hmm. and we had a nice discussion some really interesting things have happened. Tell us what you've Yeah, done. it's an exciting time, uh, Isan, for us at Johnson Johnson Surgical Vision. And, you know, I think we're very proud of um, our, our pace of innovation within our company. The pipeline's very rich. But I also think innovation comes in a lot of different forms. And in particular, um, I'm, I'm pleased to let you know that um, uh, from an overall experience point of view, we've just opened up... Uh, on our Jacksonville campus, the Johnson & Johnson Surgical Vision Experience, uh, which really provides a physical space and an opportunity for us to not only uh, young emerging surgeons uh, through the residency programs or already established practices to come and really learn uh, in a uh, very practical way uh, the latest in technologies and techniques. So we're really excited about that investment, and it really plays to the strength of Johnson & Johnson. Um, Johnson & Johnson has well over 20 Johnson & Johnson institutes around the world, and on an annualized basis is training well over 200,000 physicians annually. And well, now, I didn't know that. That many, huh? Yeah, and That's now impressive. we have an opportunity to add ophthalmology to that long and rich heritage. So we're really, really excited about that, and we just had an inaugural event uh, about a week ago with some of your colleagues there uh, present where we brought together about 40 residents uh, to really give them a a, a first class experience around technology uh, that we can bring to bear, uh, ultimately uh, focused on the best patient care possible. So we're really excited about education. In general, I think it's it's another way of how you bring innovation to the market uh, as a market leader. If you're gonna be a leader in eye health, it goes beyond just technology and we think education plays a big role and we're really doubling down there not only with the institute that we're really proud about but you know we're putting more feet on the street to touch teaching institutions around the world we've certainly invested in our digital capability where doctors can go online and get more content from us so all the way around we're excited because we know the impact that peer-to-peer selling and education can have in the marketplace and and we think it's um, it's really part of a a future growth opportunity. So we're so excited that's, that's about terrific. that. That's terrific. I mean, you know, you, and so I think it's an, a huge investment. I think when we're, when we're, when I was a resident, I went over um, to several of these campuses, including yours, and it was so interesting to see, back then, if you remember, it was a compact. That tells right. you how old I am. <laughs> and that was like the newest innovation yeah, that they had, White right. Star, remember? Right. And right. so the idea here is residents, fellows, really um, uh, sort of learning about what you're excited about, what's innovative. And I think in, in that context, we were just talking earlier about what CMS just did, 
and what are some of the challenges, right? So we, you touched on the education, which I think is a huge value add. So last week, as you know, CMS uh, ruling on the professional fee just came out. You want to comment on that? And then just like let us know what your thoughts are on that. I have my own ideas, but I'd love to learn sure, more I know. about you yours. Know, one of the things I think on, on both sides of the table, whether it's the clinician or industry, we've all been kind of frustrated about the stagnant, the stagnant nature of the premium channel. Uh, and I think the CMS ruling that just came out, I think is going to be a wonderful shot of B12 into the growth or the potential growth of the premium channel because with a 15% cut on the physician side, I mean, if you're an ophthalmologist that, that is going to be in practice for another 5, 10, 15 years, it seems to me what a, what a wonderful opportunity to either increase your presence and conversion rates if you're already doing uh, premium cataract surgery, um, uh, whether from an astigmatic point of view or a presby correcting point of view. And if you haven't jumped into that game yet, it, it, it certainly ought to be a wake-up call to, to consider it. So I think uh, from our perspective, um, it, it, it could be a really nice driver to growth of that channel uh, effective January 1, 2020. And, and we certainly are putting uh, programs and analysis together uh, to really tell that story in an appropriate way. Uh, because I think uh, at the end of the day, we're all about not only better medicine, but we want to be the company that brings better business as well. And the combination thereof, I think, is a pretty powerful recipe for success. Yeah, I think it's, it's to, to your point, I think it's going to be a, probably a water, watershed zone. I think the $600 mark be going underneath that for a lot of folks is probably going to be the point to your point if they're not retired maybe thinking okay that's it i've had enough or if they are you know 15 years you know maybe 10 years left they were going to say okay, how else can i make this work because you know we run a very large practice and it's been a pretty um nice growth for us because of the economic challenges that every ophthalmologist faces i mean let's face it there's small business everyone's getting paid more their staff rent everything goes higher and conversely, your income is coming lower, which yeah. is the only business model that I know that has that. And and I think the the critical thing is you're wise to guide, educate on what the next generation um, should um, provide. What is the stats now? I think it was last time we checked, including Torix, is 13% roughly yeah. the, the channel? Okay. And I think, you know, we've discussed this. I think, tell us a little bit. I know you can't highlight it, but tell us what's behind the kimono a little bit about what your thoughts are there and what do we need to do as an industry to grow that because yeah. you know i i the way i look at it is you have that 15 percent reduction is that enough to drive the market higher maybe but what else is there do you think that as a well, thought I, leader would you yeah advise? i i i think certainly technology is going to play a role but but it, let's just stay on the business side for for a second if you just play the dumb math it's almost about a hundred dollar cut right, in, in reimbursement. Um, so for you to just make the same amount, you're going to have to work probably five to six times harder if you stay in the standard monofocal um, uh, trench. <laughs> your words, not mine. Uh, as opposed I, I, I to, can say that. <laughs> as opposed to just doing a few more premium procedures mm -hmm. to make that up and then some. So I think the dumb math even is encouraging to say, boy, maybe it's the time to, to think about um, more diversifying my revenue to the, to the private pay side, if you will. But I think 
beyond the business side. I mean, technology is going to play a role, and 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 clearly, uh, industry in general, we have to keep bringing technology to the forefront that, you know, uh, combines better quality of vision together with better quantity of vision. And certainly, as I look at our portfolio. Uh, starting with ESCRS this year and the Academy this year through Askers of next year and Academy of next year. These next 18 months, we're very excited about the technology that we're going to be able to bring to bear uh, uh, from a presbyopia correcting and astigmatism management point of view. I won't steal the thunder of, of, of those uh, opportunities been prior, sort of secrecy. Yeah, prior <laughs> to uh, uh, these uh, key meetings coming up, but uh, we feel very bullish uh, about what we uh, are going to be able to bring to bear to um, uh, ophthalmologists around the world to uh, give them the best possible uh, technology to uh, treat their patients and, and really give them the best possible vision. Do you, let's touch on that real quick. So, like, I run a pretty busy practice. Do you think that it's advantageous for patients to come in asking for, let's say, a Technus brand presbyopic correcting IOL? Do you think we're there yet? Do you think we'll ever get to a point where, not necessarily like LASIK, but from a standpoint of, Doc, I'm interested in this. Because one of the challenges that I run into is when I try to explain to that 55-year-old who doesn't have frank cataracts yet, but yeah. she saw one yesterday with a plus 6 OU. She, she presented, and she's like, what? Is this lazy? How come no one's told me this? My optometrist said I have astigmatism. She had 0.5, mm -hmm. and I'm not a candidate for this. And I, she had actually a corneal ulcer that came in with a, with a, a contact lens. And I said, there are easier ways of, of doing what you're trying to do. And, you know, I, I will tell you, she's 2015 OU, J1, J2, and she's one of the happiest patients we've had. Yeah. How do we get more of those in the clinics? Yeah, listen, I, I, I think it's a balance. I don't think it's an either or. I think it's an and. Uh, certainly educating the consumer makes sense. But when you think about cataract surgery in particular, we don't have a demand problem. Right. Sure. Some might argue you have a physician problem, mm -hmm. right, in terms of getting docs to, to convert more and to transition more to to, you know, premium in quotations, cataract surgery. Uh, so I think um, it, it's a balancing act. Uh, we, we certainly through a lot of our digital um, investments now want to reach out and provide more education to consumers. Um, through a variety of different venues. There's some really interesting technologies out there to help do that, and we're continuing to evaluate and look at those. Uh, but I also think as, a, as an industry, and certainly uh, here at Johnson & Johnson Surgical Vision, we're, we're seriously looking at and thinking about how do we surround the practice with, with more than just product specialists, but how about practice development activities? So we really get you from the front door to the operating room, your entire staff thinking about holistically uh, a, a customer experience. How do we come to you with value, starting with the ocular surface and the importance of a healthy ocular surface, down through the cornea, down through lens-based refractive surgery? And we think we have the technology to do that. And now we have to wrap technology around with uh, practice development resources uh, to really have you be the best you can be in service of those patients. So I think it's it's holistic. It's it's a and. It's not you know an either or, uh, and it's a balancing act. And I think you know we're focused on trying to put that right recipe in place to help you uh, grow your practice uh, in in the most appropriate way. Terrific. I think so. I and mean, we really didn't touch on this yet. But are there other areas that I think 
you you would consider uh, that you are not in, like, for instance, glaucoma, for instance, because I know you, you that's a huge opportunity. There's been a lot of buzz around it. Not sure how big that market size is for just for everybody. Yeah. There's a lot of hands in the pot, if you will. But yeah. I think that would be something. If you want to comment on things that you're excited about or, or holes or areas that you think, like, ideally we would be in these areas as well. Well, I, I think, look, at innovation in ophthalmology is alive and well, whether it's uh, organic or inorganic. Uh, and particularly here in Orange County, as you well know, we're, we're sitting in a, 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 a melting pot of, of, of wonderful innovation. So I think we're constantly looking external uh, as well as investing internally. Um, it's cliche to say, but I, I think it's accurate. We're pretty agnostic about where innovation comes from. Uh, Johnson Johnson has a history of roughly 50% of innovation coming from within and 50% coming outside. Uh, I think glaucoma continues to be an interesting uh, field and, and, and one that represents an opportunity for growth. I think uh, we certainly don't play in the back of the eye today, and we continue to look at that. And, and again, uh, I think it's, it always comes down to balance, right? Uh, you want to make sure your own internal house is in order so you can assimilate technologies that you acquire and, and set them up for the most success that, that, that you can have. So um, we're always looking. We have a very active external innovation team as well as business development team. And we continue to uh, resource uh, our internal uh, capabilities through R&D. And I think uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, we feel good about our pipeline and we feel good about our ability over the next near term, midterm and long term to continue to be a leader in innovation. Are there things that are, from your standpoint, challenges that you say, gosh, you know, these are the challenges that, are, that I see. Um, we talked about some of the e economic uh, reimbursement issues, but are there barriers of entry? You know, one of the things that really frustrates me is, you know, we'll be at ESARS together, and it's like I, I feel like a kid in a, you know, toy house that I can't, I can't take any of the toys home, yeah. <laughs> right? What are things that we can do both collectively as industry and also in ophthalmologies uh, to be able to then drive innovations faster to our patients? Well, I, you know, I think, look, at ophthalmology is pretty unique in that I think there is a really healthy collaborative atmosphere be, between the clinician and industry. Uh, you know, in the 35 years I've been in surgical ophthalmology, I mean, I think that's a cornerstone of why we are successful uh, because we have that two-way communication and in industry and, and docs work so well together. And I, I think that's, you know, one of the beauties of, of, of our industry. And I think uh, certainly Johnson & Johnson vision is equally committed to continuing that, that rich history and legacy uh, to, to keep innovation at the forefront because there's millions and millions of patients around the world that are asking and have a need. And, and we have an obligation to, to meet those needs, right? Um, you know, it goes without saying. I mean, I think vision is, is underserved and, and, and undervalued, right? 80% uh, of the visual problems in the world can either be treated or avoided, right? Uh, if early detection is there and early intervention. And, you know, what a wonderful opportunity that we all have. Is, and, and I think that, that speaks to the collaboration that's necessary. So, um, you know, I, I just, I'm bullish about uh, ophthalmology's best years are ahead of us, not behind us. And, and you and I, through our careers, have seen unbelievable improvements in, 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 uh, in surgery from, a, from an eye point of view. But I think 
more is to come. It's an exciting time for us. A couple of things I want to note is your support for the blind ch children. I mean, I was thank you for that. I, you're, I know you personally, you and I have always sort of been involved in that, and I thank you for that. I, for those of you who don't know, Tom really spearheaded a local um, chapter of charity for philanthropy and did a really nice contribution there. I know internationally you do a lot of uh, work. Do you ever see J&J, uh, &J, I know it's a bread and butter is med device, would you ever see pharma presbyopic correcting? I know we talked about that. That's a yeah. nice space. Yeah. Uh, some of our listeners would like to know, we, you already have, you've mastered a lot of this presbyopic correction on the, on the surgical side. Would J&J, &J, it might be outside the wheelhouse now, but would you want to ever do that pharmacologically? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. Uh, I, I think pharma uh, is an area that we have to keep our eye on. Uh, obviously, my background is med device. I'm not a, a, a pharma, pharma expert by any stretch Something of the imagination. Something tells you to learn it, though. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I think there's some really interesting pharmacologic opportunities out there. And I think Johnson Johnson's mind is wide open. Um, you know, obviously our focus is med device, but but again, I think it's not an and, uh, it's not an either or, it's an and, right? We're gonna continue to to, to keep the opportunities for innovation wide open. Yeah, because I think that as a, as a surgeon, some of the challenges we had to the inlays, as, as great they were on paper, when, when it came down to it, at least personally for me, when I just anecdotally talked to my patients is, you know, a lot of them, we, you and I have talked about this, is prefer either a permanent solution or if they're not quite there yet, if they're, if they're, if they're emetropic and, but they can't, they're presbyopic, a drop is very attractive to them. You know, I've yeah. been talking to patients about it just anecdotally, like, where do I buy them? Where do I buy them? So, you know, it'd be interesting to see your yeah. leadership there be, um, to be able no, to market some interesting market technologies that. out there in that regard, yeah. and, and we're yeah. certainly uh, staying educated on them. Yeah, very good. Are there um, anything you want to teach our young ophthalmologists and or young people in the industry on your, based on your career, you've had a really nice, rich history, different sort of startups and big companies. What would you say to somebody who's young and just sort of starting their career in med device? What, what are some advice you would give? I, I think that's pretty critical to get some mentorship. What are yeah, your thoughts? I, well, I think that's the right word. Uh, I was very fortunate to have some wonderful mentors early in my career. Uh, I started my career at Johnson & Johnson and then had an opportunity to, to through an acquisition, uh, join Bill Link. Uh, and Andy Corley and Randy Alexander, great guys that have become, you know, lifelong friends um, early in my career, gentlemen by the name of John Gilbert, all having a lot of influence in my life. So um, I, I would say early on, you know, have, have a good mentor, um, but also recognize you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. But you want to surround yourself uh, with a lot of smart people, and and I think um, mentors, you know, you know, know what your strengths are, know what your weaknesses are, be honest, uh, be of high integrity, and most of all, have fun. And if you treat people fairly, uh, it seems to me it comes back to you in 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 double and triple levels. And and I've been blessed to to work with a lot of wonderful people, to be around a lot of good people, and, and it's been a wonderful ride. All right, Tom, we're gonna wrap up. I, you know, I've, I've been really intrigued about asking this really important scientific question is, um, you know, I, 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 hear, I know you have a lot of skill sets, but when are you gonna start your professional singing career? <laughs> well, I, I, I think, you know, whenever one of these days is when I retire, 
you can come see me anytime right off the 55 at the Holiday Inn. I will have your name there at will call. And I'm working on a whole Sinatra act as we speak. And matter of fact, on Tuesday nights, we'll have prime rib at 1995. <laughs> so you're more than welcome. But can we bring uh, it a is a passion of, of mine. I love to have fun with it. And the company loves to tease me a lot about it. But uh, come see me at the Holiday Inn. Absolutely. We'll be there. Very good. Thank you for your time, Ali, your whole team and staff here. Uh, for those of you who haven't um, yet gone, go check out um, the Johnson Johnson website and all the resources they have for education. And also, if you can, ask your local rep for going over to their experience center, which is I hear just spectacular from Keith, Walter, and everybody else. So yeah. thank you so much for your time. And we'll see you at ESCRS. Thank you, Dr. Sadri. We'll see you in Paris. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the OIS podcast. And don't forget to sign up for OIS at AAO on October 10th in San Francisco by visiting OIS.net.